Hello and welcome again to another edition of Irreligiosophy, where we have been suffering for your sake since January 2009. Uh, we have been in the pits of hell, essentially, since January of 2009, for your sake. I hope you fucking appreciate it. Yeah, if not, fuck you. This <laughs> <laughs> is a return to fuck you fans month. <laughs> Speaking of appreciating, did you read our latest review? Um... I actually only read it because you told me that it was up there, and I find it to be quite entertaining. Yeah, this is a two-star review by Dance of the Seven Veils. Uh, it says, I like these guys at first. <laughs> these two guys are smart and do their homework. Um, first of all, what do you mean two guys are smart? Yeah, and what's this about homework? There's only one of us that does the homework, <laughs> and that's me. The topics are interesting, and this would be a regular podcast for me, but what is with the heterosexist banter? I don't know what that means. I'm I don't kidding. know, but maybe See, she should get us dinner. Homophobic? Is that what he's talking about? Homophobic no, banter? No, no, no. I'm, I'm pretty sure heterosexist has to do with us slapping women in the face. And, you know, it's just like you tell a woman twice she's got two black eyes. What is with the racist jokes? I put up with the jokes about Thai children workers. Those <laughs> those weren't jokes. <laughs> so, wait, wait, wait. No, wait, wait. Finish that sentence. Finish that sentence. I put up with the jokes about Thai children workers, but I'm not going to listen to black baby jokes. Okay, so so you will allow us to put down Thai children because they're only partially black. But as soon as we make a black baby joke, all of a sudden you're all up in arms. This wow, guy clearly is a Thai children racist uh, yes. because he allows that to continue, but he gets up in arms about Layton's racist black baby jokes. Yes. Black babies are far worse than starving Thai children. <laughs> well, my problem is your black baby joke wasn't even funny. Well, I realize that. I've got some better ones. I have been an atheist since early elementary school and have never... What a... What the fuck? Been an atheist since early elementary school? I'm calling bullshit on that. Uh, Can you, you know, imagine? He's sitting there in fucking second grade. Little Johnny, what does a cow say? Moo. What does God say? God is dead. God can suck my cock. <laughs> Listen, I've been reading the dia Dialogues Concerning Natural Religion by David Hume, and I believe God does not exist. Yeah, I can see that happening. Now, can I get back to my arithmetic tables, please? It's fucking <laughs> bullshit. Uh, and have never been so embarrassed by a fellow atheist until now, not even counting Chris Hitchens. What's wrong with Chris Hitchens? I think Chris Hitchens is awesome. That dude gets smarter the more alcohol that's in him. <laughs> Chris Hitchens is fine. There's nothing to be embarrassed about by Chris Hitchens. He's awesome. I yeah, love Chris Hitchens. when his hair starts standing up as he drops <laughs> it. <laughs> that am, dude rocks. I am also lost as to the point of the time spent to skunk dicks. It is a complete waste of podcast time before getting to the real topics. These guys clearly put some time into their topics, so it's disappointing they would waste any time on heterosexism, racism, and skunk dicks. Yeah, well, um, look, I got some advice for this guy. Uh, if you're going to be so easily offended, number one, don't listen to the podcast. <laughs> I think that would have been pretty obvious to anybody from the get-go. Uh, I just two, can't fathom how we could go this long. Number two, for God's sakes, don't go on the Internet. Don't step out into public. Don't <laughs> talk to anybody. All right? If you're gonna, And my last piece of advice is if you're going to be so easily offended by people you don't even know, uh, buy a fainting couch for when you get the fucking vapors so you'll have something soft to fall on when you faint. <laughs> Not only that, 
but you have to actively search us out and listen to us. Oh, my God. Another <laughs> a fellow atheist said something that I could possibly construe as offensive. I just can't stop myself from listening to them. Look, it's more <laughs> offensive as we go. Please stop. Why are they so offensive? Why the skunk dicks? I mean, seriously, you have to come to us to listen. So oh, kiss Lord. my ass. Lord, no one's holding a gun to your head. Stop listening. Can we help it that we're the only witty, charming, funny atheist podcast on the planet? Is that our and fault? Also rich and good looking from another review. <laughs> Moving on to the skunk dicks, I think that is uh, one good point that he's made that uh, we just shouldn't do the skunk dicks anymore. Yeah, we're wasting now, now, far too much time on the skunk dicks. He even points out that that we spend so much time talking about skunk dicks and talking about the news that it takes a very long time to get to the actual uh, meat of the podcast. And truth be told, it takes up a lot of our time to actually do the research, read through it, and then try to be funny. Which, That's right. Okay. Um, I have to go on to Feringula and get these candidates. Or now that we have a forum, we have a thread, I've got to actually read through the thread and pick up uh, some ideas. This is exhausting. Yes, it's... It's very difficult, and because of that, we are no longer doing skunk dicks starting, anymore. So. Yeah, starting today, we're going to get straight to the podcast. No more skunk dicks. Yeah. Yeah, that said, uh, why don't we get right into the skunk dicks? So, on to the skunk dicks of the week. What do we got? Okay. Now, what we got in skunk dicks is uh, my personal favorite. Lady Gaga says she keeps her creativity in her pants. Uh, yeah. Um, she says, I have this weird thing that if I sleep with someone, they're going to take my creativity from me through my vagina, says Gaga, who appears nude on the cover. Now, I'm looking at the picture, and I didn't even know he had a vagina. Well, see, it's very difficult to tell with the the undersized penis. He he looks much like <laughs> I do when I'm naked. <laughs> what I think is we need some clarification on what avoiding sex means. Now, are we talking just penetration? Are we talking a little tongue or, you know, just flicking the bean? I mean, what part of uh, sex are you avoiding? What is Lady Gaga doing keeping her creativity in her vagina anyway? Well, as I said on the forums, it brings a whole new meaning to rubbing the lamp for a wish. What kind of massive orgasm would spew your creativity out of your vagina anyway? <laughs> it comes from the O-face. Oops! There goes my creativity. <laughs> Could you stuff that back in, please? <laughs> yes, and do it longer this time. The 10 <laughs> seconds wasn't worth losing my creativity. <laughs> uh, the next one uh, is a Saudi man who chains his son in the basement for six years because he is possessed by an evil female genie. <laughs> I think the key word is female there. Yes, yes. Uh, why would these Saudi men allow a woman to possess a man? What evil, is this genie doing out of the kitchen? Evil genies is one thing. But evil female genies, that is crossing the line. Yeah. I, I do I mean, not want any seriously. evil female genies possessing my son. Do female genies not understand that they are supposed to get married to a male genie and his many female genies and then just pop out baby genies? Look how many problems female genies caused Larry Hagman in that one TV show. <laughs> she was all every episode she was causing him problems yeah he went nuts I, I do agree now the reason why they actually claim that there's a genie there is because this kid 
flops around the, on the ground. He rolls his eyes back until there's nothing but white, and he starts speaking in a shrill voice. Yeah, he says that uh, he has fits, he has convulsions, and his entire body twists, and his eyes become completely white. Uh, actually, that he's just looking up into his head. Actually <laughs> he's trying white. to see a movie. <laughs> then the voice of a woman can be heard coming from him. That's probably, like I said, that's probably the worst part for this Saudi male. Yeah, yeah. That uh, I mean, how's he supposed to mute it? mutilate her genitalia if it's just really <laughs> possessing his son. So, when the kid's name is Turkey, which, you know, <laughs> I would convulse to. <laughs> yeah, I when, would make up a female genie myself. <laughs> when Turkey first began behaving bizarrely, his father did what any other reasonable man would do, and he took him to local Muslim clerics to recite the Koran over him. Yeah, yeah, and, and the clerics... Don't they have this- fucking doctors in Saudi Arabia? No, no, obviously not. But but the clerics at this point get too scared, and they say, well, you should just chain him up. <laughs> what the fuck kind of reasoning is that? That's exact. Had they brought him in to me as a physician, that's what I would have told them, too. It's very good, sound medical advice. Yes, yes. Just, Take chains and just tie him up to the bed. Just chain your kid up for six years. Uh, so he said, we did this. My son became quiet, but is totally unaware of what is happening around him. He does not talk and is now unable to harm anyone with that now, I, female voice of his. Yeah, that, that damn female voice. Now, it's very interesting because uh, this man by the name of Suhali, he went in there to kind of check, and this is what he stated. When I stopped reciting, he became quiet again, but was distant and unaware of what was happening. This is basically... He reads the Quran, the kid freaks out, he stops, the kid is silent. Now, Suhali got in contact with the Saudi Ministry of Social Affairs and wants them to provide this family with more social security due to Turkey. Well, you know, Turkey's father himself, he claimed he was afflicted by a genie at the age of nine, suffered for more than four decades until it was exercised by a cleric. Uh, that doesn't sound like some hereditary problem, like some seizure disorder or, you know, some mental issue. I'm sure it was he was possessed by a genie. Yes, yes. Well, he passed it on to Turkey's mother through the vagina, and then the mother shot it out of the vagina into the boy. But it's <laughs> well, like that, Lady that, Gaga. That makes sense. That makes as much sense as anything else these guys have said. <laughs> Has anything we've said made any sort of sense today? <laughs> All right, uh, what's the next candidate? Uh, I believe that would be Sharon Engel. Now, she is actually lobbying to make gay adoption illegal and to allow the clergy to endorse candidates from the pulpit. Yeah, she, she's my favorite skunk dick candidate because, um, you know, Miss Engel, clerics can already endorse candidates from the pulpit. They just have to pay fucking taxes. They have the freedom. They're making a compromise themselves. They're compromising their own principles by not endorsing candidates from the pulpit. All they have to do is pay a little money, and then they can go ahead and endorse the hell out of their favorite candidate. Yeah. It's called taxes. If, if your little religion wants to pay taxes, they can endorse whoever the hell they want. But it's due to the fact that they're just, oh, a little bit greedy and need that extra money in order to run their own little business. Or they don't think they can survive if they pay taxes. And aren't these people, these Republicans, also in favor of the free market? <laughs> so <laughs> I would say strip all these things of their tax exempt status. Let them 
endorse whoever the fuck they want from the um, pulpit and see which of these stupid organizations survive. Yeah. And let God choose uh, which of these organizations he will uh, provide support for. Yeah. Why don't these organizations, and I quote, stand firmly against the unbiblical welfare state that is destroying the spiritual and economic greatness of our nation. If it is this important, drop your tax-exempt status, and let's see you start back. And You're right. Let's stop welfare to churches. Let's strip them of their tax-exempt status and end the welfare state for churches. Um, and you know what? Uh, if you don't want to do this, Sharon, then stop talking to the government about it. The government's already given you a, a uh, map of how to endorse candidates from the pulpit. But you can't have it both ways. You can't yeah. carve out a special uh, category so that your church will be uh, exempt from taxes and also be able to endorse the candidates. If they really believe in it, then they'll go ahead and pay fucking taxes just like everyone else. Yeah, it, it all comes down to let's put the money where your mouth is, huh? Yeah. And let's make gay adoption illegal based on absolutely zero evidence whatsoever uh, except for the evidence that's found between the pages of our stupid Iron Age book. <laughs> well, you know, those are very important because they are the words of God, even though man is fallible and they are the ones that wrote it down. Right. <laughs> All right. So out of those, I'm voting for Sharon Angle. I'm sorry. Uh Lady Gaga's got mine, not because of the sheer stupidity of that statement, but I am a huge fan of the vagina, and if there's magic in there, I'll spend hours down there. Have you ever received any creativity from anyone's vagina? Uh, I think that defeats that particular uh, uh, hypothesis. <laughs> never said I was after creativity. All right. We have uh, purchased a new computer from all of your donations here at uh, Irreligiosophy. Yes, that Let's, ten bucks went far. Let's feed it into that. All right, apparently Maggie Gallagher, who is the chairman of the National <laughs> Organization for Marriage, has one skunk tick of the week this week. She has uh, released this article in San Francisco Chronicle uh, headlining Proposition 8, Judge Walker's bias will be overruled. I've oh. actually read his 138-page uh, decision. Uh, he wrote it, I believe, specifically. He knows. He's not a stupid man. He knows that it's going to be appealed. He wrote this decision specifically to uh, survive an appeal. It's a fascinating document. I think uh, we'll go into Proposition 8 next week. We'll do a whole episode on it. Yeah, yeah. that's, that's up, for, uh, up for next week. Now, now, the, the most striking sentence in this entire article that this woman, who, mind you, Charlie had to remind me, wrote that Storm is Coming commercial, the complete she, jackassery in there. She was responsible for that, yeah. Yeah, she was responsible for that. Now, this one sentence just sums it all up. Judge Walker has added insult to injury by suggesting that support for marriage is somehow irrational bigotry akin to racial animus. Um, I'm, and? It is. <laughs> it is. It is. My favorite sentence. You are stripping people of civil rights. It is bigotry. My favorite sentence is this one. If this ruling is upheld, millions of Americans will face for the first time a legal system that is committed to the view that our deeply held moral views on sex and marriage are unacceptable in the public square. The fruit of bigotry that should be discredited, stigmatized, and repressed. And again I say... Yes. 
So. And? <laughs> <laughs> that, I mean, that more I think about this, the more this is the underlying motivation for all of these people. They don't want their bigotry to be called out. They don't want to be called bigots. They don't want to be called what they are in the public square. Yeah. They don't want you to call a bigot a bigot. They want to continue to have these bigoted views and not be called out on it because they've enjoyed that for their entire life. They've held these bigoted views their entire life, and no one's called them on it. Yeah. Now they are, and now they're like, whoa, hey, who changed the rules here? <laughs> I want to be a bigot, but I don't want to be called a bigot. Now, hold on a second. Black people get to vote? Oh, wait, no, we're further on. Uh, gay people get to marry. I'm sorry. Sometimes I get confused. It's no difference whatsoever. All right. Yeah. Enough of that um, because we actually have we've got a lot to get to, and we have a, a special edition of the happenings in the All Red family this week. Now, you all did not believe me when I told you that my family was insane. <laughs> You did not I believe believed you. me. I believed you. Well, you believe me because you know my family. <laughs> so we had Sean come on, and that was a complete flop. That should have been evidence enough. Yeah, well, now we're here to provide uh, more evidence. And Charlie, I think me as an all-red, I, I must have some of that stupidity inside of me, so I believe you need to set this up. Um, well, you know, I only heard about it after the whole thing had, had gone down. Apparently, uh, your dad sent a letter out, to, and he does this. <laughs> he sends these emails out to everyone in your family, um, and he'll say some sort of lesson. But the underlying uh, message is directed directly at Layton. He's just poking him with a sharp stick the whole email. It's it's completely passive-aggressive. <laughs> it totally is. He never comes out and says it, but it's couched in these terms. It's directly applicable only to Leighton. So uh, this particular one was about the story of Elijah, how uh, Elijah's going around doing all these miracles. I mean, for God's sakes, he raised someone from the dead. He uh, brought fire down and, and burnt all the wood of the other person's god right on the Mount Carmel or whatever it was. and uh, burned the stones all up and then he brought the rains and all these miracles no one converted he said he finally realized that miracles don't convert anyone <laughs> because <laughs> I have shared all of my personal miracle stories with um, all of the unbelievers in my family and you can number the unbelievers on one finger <laughs> yes it's just latent one finger I mean I am not kidding you the entire mailing list it's more than a dozen people, and there's only one person in there who does not believe. Right, the rest are Mormons. Um, so he says, I've shared these personal stories with all the unbelievers, and they they haven't changed their heart. It's like he's shocked at this. Um, of course, knowing the fact that he's lived a life of almost 70 years now, and he's a Mormon, so he necessarily rejects all of the miracle stories from all the other religions, but somehow it's shocking, Leighton, that you have rejected his miracle stories, his personal yeah. miracle stories. Yeah, shocking that I would be consistent in rejecting all miracles and not just accepting those from my family. So usually, Leighton, I mean, you pretty much just let these things go by, right? Usually you don't yeah. say anything said normally i remain quiet but if you poke me enough you will get me angry and i will rise up and i'll push you back and that's pretty much what happened here i was pushed far enough yeah so you wrote back i i can't remember what did you write back all right so oh you actually 
you actually went through that story of Elijah and kind of uh, pointed out how ridiculous it was. <laughs> yes, actually, uh, the first thing I did was I brought up Hercules and the story of Hercules and pointed out that nobody believed in Hercules until he started doing great miracles and that it was because of Hercules that we could bind together in our belief in the in the uh, ancient Greek gods. Yeah, I mean, the, the miracle stories of Hercules uh, converted me. I mean, that's what happened to me. I'm, I'm a, now a Herculeanist, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so basically, yes, I was mocking, but I was pissed off. So after that, I kind of calmed down, and I basically tore his email apart piece by piece, like the fact that uh, Elijah was in a widow's house and suddenly God takes the widow's son and then God has to be reminded that this woman is helping out a prophet so he gives the son back? How does that make any sense? I love that so story. I, I love that story. <laughs> Elijah's in there, you know, this widow's taking care. She doesn't have anything. She barely can. It's in the middle of a drought that is brought on by God for hell's sakes. She's <laughs> taking care of his prophet. And uh, because of she's doing that, her son dies, right? And she rightly she goes up to Elijah and says, uh, "Is this how God treats me back? You know, is this how He services me after I've provided all the food and shelter and comfort for His prophet?" And Elijah reminds God about it, and God goes, "Oh yeah, that's right. She did do that." And so He yeah. raises the Oops. kid. <laughs> my bad. Here's oh, your yeah. son back. I didn't realize you were helping out my prophet, who I'm supposed to be speaking to every day and keeping an eye on. Sorry, I totally forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, oops. <laughs> so, I mean, I brought that up. And then the next thing I said is, okay, well, you point out that God isn't in the fire, God isn't in the earthquake, and uh, he comes in a still, small voice. So then I went, and I'm like, okay, Exodus th 13, 21, 22. God's in a cloud by the day, a pillar of fire by night. Exodus 9, 18. God comes down in fire, the mountain shakes greatly. And I just went on and on and on until finally I said, you know what? With the Book of Mormon and the Bible, I could just keep going with Yeah, you, um, you, you showed that Paul was converted by the miraculous appearance of Jesus. Um, you named some examples from the Book of Mormon, Alma the Younger, yeah. I think, uh, some king or something, I, I can't remember, Mammon, I can't remember what that guy was named. King Lamoni from the... Yeah, yeah. basically, Lamoni. because King Lamoni was in a miraculous coma, suddenly his entire people converted. <laughs> so anyway, your dad uh, was not amused by his youngest natural-born child standing up to him. Now, the, the interesting thing here is I really think, well, for one, that he gets completely pissed off that I would stand up and point out the fallacies in his thinking. But number two, I think the reason why he got severely pissed off is some of my family members actually started popping in there and saying, well, I can agree with some of what you say. <laughs> <laughs> Your dad has had pretty much a free ride as far as authority is concerned. Um, I, know, I, I know very well Sean and Troy... Um, both of you whom keep your father in very, very high esteem. Um, and I don't think that they really have ever questioned him directly, certainly not to the extent that you have. Definitely not. I mean, you have my oldest brother, where at one point, 
uh, my dad was failing in business, and I made the comment to my brother that maybe the only way I could convince my dad was to quote scripture. And my oldest brother actually said to me, Well, no, you shouldn't do that. Dad knows the scriptures far too well, and you wouldn't be able to keep up with his mind. So this is the type of esteem that my family holds for my dad. So yeah, I don't know how he does that. I wish I could have that for my kids. Uh, that's just completely unquestioning, and uh, they just accept my authority on the face of it without having to explain myself. Yeah, that that may be because I've had contact with your children since they were very young. <laughs> that might be, you <laughs> bastard. So so anyway, so three days after I sent out that email, my dad actually responded to me, and uh, unsurprisingly, he's upset. Yeah, but this is one of the coolest things I think you've accomplished. Uh, and I'm totally jealous on this. Um, you actually got your dad to rebuke you in the name of Jesus Christ. <laughs> now, for, for those of you who don't know what that is, basically, uh, when I was growing up, my dad told me that if an enemy came to take my life, or the devil himself, or even evil spirits came, you raise your hand to the square, which is basically just almost like giving a high five, and you basically tell them to stop right there in the name of Jesus Christ. And if they don't, it will be God's justice that comes on them. So basically, you are cursing them with all the powers of heaven when you invoke the name of Jesus Christ to rebuke somebody. This is like a priesthood curse, essentially, right? They are, yeah. um, they are bringing, they're calling down the entire power of heaven against you. Do you have the email? Because it's, it's fascinating. The exact wording is actually kind of fascinating. All right. Yeah, I've, I've got it up right in front of me. Now, uh, this is the very end, and this says, Your beliefs are your problem, and you have shown that what we have to say means nothing to you. Until that changes, the subject is dead, as far as I'm concerned. Do not continue your proselytizing to any of my family at your peril in the name of Jesus Christ, so be it, Dad. Wow. At your peril. Yeah. Basically, so if, like I said, this is literally the powers of heaven. You do not invoke this unless you want somebody to have all the pains of hell thrust upon them. So if someone comes up to you and says, Hey, Leighton, I heard you were an atheist. Uh, what's that about? Um, if they were within my family, according to this uh, rebuking in the name of Jesus, if I was to answer them, then God would kick my ass. Now, also, he said, do not proselytize to any of my family. Um, does that not include you? Is he not including you in the family? Because I thought when Sean was here, he said, you know, oh, we all love each other. No matter what differences we have, we're still family. Is he disowning you? Is he dissociating? What is going on here? Well, see, that was very interesting. And, uh, I mean, truth be told, when I got this email, it pissed me off to high heaven. So I, I responded quite quickly in that. And I brought that very fact up to my dad. I'm like, your family? I'm like, so does this mean I am no longer your son? And I brought up several different points about how out of all of his children, I was the one who has helped him and my mother the most. And I'm yeah, like, I mean, does he no longer consider you part of the family? That's what it sounds like. That's exactly what it is. 
And, but he, uh, he didn't disown you, right? He's... No, 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 no. He didn't disown me on a personal level. He still wants to carry on the father-son role, but he has disowned me religiously, wherein he has basically stated, and uh, this was a clarification in the email he sent later on, but uh, basically he was pointing out, hey, I love you, son. I still want the relationship we have because uh, we have a great relationship. Just uh, shut the fuck up because uh, what you say doesn't please us. So I am disowning you basically religiously. Wow. So he'll talk to the um, non-religious portion of you, but the atheist portion of you he really doesn't want to have anything to do with. Yeah. yeah. Basically, as my dad says, it, there's two parts of me. There's the one part that he respects who... Uh, who is quite friendly and outgoing with the family. And then there's the part of me that he cannot understand that is nothing but hate-filled anger. And he says it's that second part that uh, he doesn't want anything to do with. And so technically that's the part he's separating from his family. So it's, it's very kind of strange, to say the least. Wow, wow. Well, I'm sorry about that, Layton. I, I don't care. <laughs> in, in fact, uh, I believe uh, Charlie's response has had me laughing ever since. And uh, <laughs> Charlie's response was this. Oh, my God, I think he just rebuked you in the name of Jesus. That is awesome. I've never gotten my dad to do anything remotely similar. It's true. I'm jealous. <laughs> but you know what's going to happen just, now. You realize what's going to happen. Any bad thing that happens to you from now to the rest of your dad's life is going to be attributed to that priesthood curse. Oh, you I realize know. that. Oh, I know. And, uh, I mean, it's just like when I was rebuking my dad for even throwing this curse my way. I Did you say, I rebuke you in the name of Shiva? <laughs> so let it be written, so let I, it be I done. Probably sh I probably should have just used Beelzebub, because that's, that's who they all think <laughs> I'm worshipping at this point. Right. <laughs> but no, 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 the most fascinating thing is, is uh, when I got out of the military, uh, I wasn't planning on coming back to Utah. In fact, I had a job overseas that I was going to take for several months while I waited for a buddy of mine over on the East Coast to get out of the military, and then we were going to hop onto his sailboat and sail around the world. Well, when I told my uh, parents that I was getting out of the military, they instantly thought we were going back into real estate together. So my dad quit his job. He pulled out his entire retirement and started investing into real estate. And I got a call like two weeks before my flight back to Utah for a visit, basically stating, okay, uh, I can't wait till you get here because there's a lot of work to get done. So basically, I was trapped. I... I quit the job overseas, I kind of put off all my plans, and I started helping my parents out, because what the hell else am I supposed to do? At that point, I started noticing that the economy was going down, I started pointing this out to my parents, and we increasingly started fighting one another, because pretty soon, they had picked up six houses, and not a single one of them was rented, leased, or purchased, and at that point... They had spent every last dime. They didn't even have enough money to make the mortgage payments on the houses they had. And I was pissed off, and I kept basically contradicting them and everything. My dad came to me, and he says, You know what? It's because of you and your dissenting ways that this isn't working. God has told me you should leave. 
and then everything will go right. Well, of course, this I is, left. This is actually, I mean, when you told me this stuff, I thought, how in God's name does anyone run a business like this? But this is literally how he ran the business. This he would go kneel down and pray about something, and he'd come back and say, okay, I made this decision. And you would say, I, I think that's a terrible decision. We already have four houses. You're going to spend all the money on this remaining fifth house. You don't have anybody renting it. Um, it, it you should instead put this money toward a, um, a business that might bring in some income that would allow you to you know, continue, blah, blah, blah. And so he goes, hmm, all right, well, I'll go back and pray about it. Then he comes back and says, I prayed about it. You're wrong. <laughs> and that I got was, the same answer. That was exactly how it went. And everything Literally. I contradicted them, they would go up, they would pray about it, and then they would come down and say, well, we were right, you were wrong, God wants us to do this. Literally. And, and, and it got so bad, I guess, that uh, the last straw was, we're not making any money whatsoever, which is what you've been saying, but all your pessimism is what is the cause of the business failing. Right, this dissension. Yeah. You're not unified in us, and God is withholding His blessings from us because of that dissension. And He basically kicked you out of the business. Yeah, He basically said, unless you are willing to place your faith in God and place your faith in this business, then you have no right to be here. And I got to so tell you, that is exactly Mormonism. That's Mormonism in a nutshell. What happens is the power flows from God to the priesthood holder and down through his wife and his children. So exactly. your act of concern about the business and saying, hey, you got to rethink this stuff, we're going down really fast, is an act of rebellion against God. Not against him, against God through him, basically. Yeah. Uh, it's, it amazed me when you told me about this stuff that people actually act and, and live in this way and make their decisions in this manner in this day and age. I couldn't believe it. Well, see, and, and you've hit it right on the head. That is the exact reason why my brothers hold my dad in such high esteem. Because, yeah. just like you said, God speaks to the, to the head of the family. He disseminates that knowledge, and God's power, it's like a pyramid scheme. The more children you have, the more power you spread out beneath you. And that is exactly what it is. This is how my family esteems my dad. That's it. That is it. And uh, it's been inculcated into everyone from day one, um, and that's essentially the Mormon hierarchy of power. It, you have a, your little prophet and uh, your counselor, which is your wife, <laughs> who doesn't really have any power, right? But she can make some suggestions. Yes, yeah, she and can make goes, suggestions, but if you go and pray about it and <laughs> suddenly discover that you were right all along, you can tell her, eh, nope, sorry. Right. And so it's like a mini church within the church itself. Um, and that's why they have big families because they they um, have more power and glory or whatever, and uh, those families then grow up thinking the same thing, and they get their wives and children, and et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and that's why uh, clearly my kids don't think that I'm God. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think the most reason is because uh, every time your kids say something stupid, you call them on it, and you expect them to do the same. And I've heard your kids call you on something stupid. It's quite comical. Yeah, it's hilarious. Um, they've, they've gotten actually pretty good at it. Um, it's great. It's scary. It's really scary how good these kids are at that. Yeah, I, I take pride in that. I think that's fantastic. I love it. <laughs> anyway... Yeah. Anyway. So anyway, I have been rebuked in the name of Jesus. So uh, 
I certainly hope my family talks to me about this so that the fire from heaven can come down and consume me. <laughs> All right. Um, <laughs> that's, that's enough of As the World Turns with the All Red family. <laughs> Always a soap opera. Fantastic. All right, so the, the meat of the podcast, the actual podcast, uh, now that we're, what, 45 minutes into it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe that guy had something uh, quite proper what, what, yeah. when he was saying it. He could have a point. Yeah. Um, what we're actually going to do is we're going to uh, take on some more religious podcasts. We did this a while back, and it was so excruciating. Uh, it was, what, nine, ten months before we could even think about doing it again. Yeah, and even when we thought about doing it again, it was still excruciating, but Charlie is kind of uh, a masochist. So. Yeah, I swallowed back the vomit that had leaked into my mouth and um, actually looked on iTunes and found there are, you know, there's a whole religious category on iTunes. Well, see, that. At least you can swallow the vomit. My fecal discharge is just going nuts. I, I can't stop it. You can't suck that back in. <laughs> I wouldn't want to even <laughs> if I could. Uh, so I just picked uh, two of the top ten. Uh, my choices were Joyce Myers and uh, the Mars Hill dude. That guy's on the top ten. Can you believe that, Mark Driscoll? I, I can't fathom how people can listen to him. However, the two I picked are so excruciating, I can understand why he's in the top ten. Yeah, well, um, Joyce Myers, the first one we'll get into, uh, she's this... She's actually kind of exactly like my grandma if my grandma was a crabby-headed hoe. <laughs> so basically nothing like your grandma. <laughs> well, both my grandmas are dead, so somewhat like my grandma. And have you ever seen her? Because you'll be flipping through in the morning and, you know, you'll see Joel Osteen or this Joy Myers lady, and she is so crabby. God, you look at I don't at even the... know who she is. Well, <laughs> look her up on iTunes. The picture, she's trying like hell to look pleasant right she's got her little arms crossed and she her um her eyebrows kind of scrunched together like she's mad but if you look down th past the nose there's uh, some sort of crack in her face what i can only attempt uh, or guess is an attempt at a smile my doesn't, guess is that's where you feed the small children it doesn't look natural <laughs> that smile is not typically on her face she's an angry angry lady spawn of satan we get it um, so let's listen to the introduction to this podcast. It's, uh, it's fantastic. This is Enjoying Everyday Life with New York Times bestselling author Joyce Meyer. And today she's teaching from her series entitled What the Devil Doesn't Want You to Know. This series will open your eyes to the fact that Satan is on the prowl. He'll stop at nothing to deceive you. Learn how to discern Satan's lies from God's truth. Avoid being blindsided by his tactics and how to use the weapons God gave you to fight and win. It's all in today's teaching, What the Devil Doesn't Want You to Know. You can order this four-part CD series by going to JoyceMeyer.org and clicking on today's radio offer on the homepage. No, no, hold on a second. Hold on a second. <laughs> this is this is pathetic. <laughs> She's got an announcer who sits there and talks about what we're supposed to know about defeating the devil, and then at the end he says, "Oh, by the way, you have to buy it." Is this like a? It's a, a teaser. Ski? It's a it's a <laughs> it's a teaser for this lady who um, apparently, just like the prophets of the Old Testament, um, has this message. Very important information, right? What the devil doesn't want you to know. 
this is crucial, right? Well, and, you, you've got to learn to use the weapons God gave you, and I can only think of one weapon that I have, so... And so, you know, exactly like Elijah or Moses, you know, it's the, it's the old, I'm going to give you two of these commandments. If you want the rest of them, you can pay me 20 bucks. I'll be happy to share them with you. <laughs> but you have to come behind and uh, work off the 20 bucks. <laughs> I'm stunned at these people. I'm stunned. Um, now, 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 once again, this just goes to prove that, that religious morals and, and all that shit goes out the window as soon as money is involved. This is so important, it could save our eternal soul if we pay twenty nine ninety five. If If you buy the four CD package. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks. Thanks, Joyce. Uh, so let's get into Joyce herself. Joyce, um, you know, she's talking about stuff that the devil doesn't want you to know, and she'll break it up every once in a while with her attempt at humor. Um, are, are you ready for it? She's disgusted at our modern lifestyle because uh, we're so impatient, because things are so convenient. Well, of course. We're, we are among the generation that stands in front of the microwave screaming faster, faster. This is just the patience that we have built. That's exactly her point. That is a huge, huge problem today because we have gotten lazy in our society. We get upset if the escalator isn't working and we have to walk up a flight of stairs when we're out in the shopping mall. We get impatient if our internet hookup takes 45 seconds instead of 10 seconds to hook us up. What kind of... What does she live, Zimbabwe? All I've got to say is the hookups I go on with the internet, it lasts more than 45 seconds, and all my hookups can can attest to that. Psst, Joyce, there's something called broadband. (laughs) Okay, this is what this woman sounds like? Oh, yes. It's like nails driving into the back of your skull. She's so crabby. I don't know why she's so angry. Um, Jesus loves you. I mean, that's the message, right? Why is she so bitter about everything? Yeah, and and what the hell are you sitting there bitching and moaning about technology when you're using it to make a buck? Like this grandma's ever waited 45 seconds for her internet connection. She doesn't know what the fuck the internet is. (laughs) Well, she's too busy searching for porn. That's her complaint, is she can't download her porn fast enough. So this next one's one of my favorite. I, I love this one. She gets crabby because they don't say amen fast enough. Are you ready? I am ready. So we're kind of addicted to convenience. We have to understand that if we're going to be really successful Christians that know how to defeat the devil, we're going to have to have a little bit of commitment and a little bit of strength and a little bit of willpower to go through some things and not just give up every time something doesn't feel good. Can anybody say amen? Now, here's a pro tip, Joyce. If you're going to... uh, require an amen from your audience, you might want to pause. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually a good point. Now the, now, the funniest thing is, is what the hell does it matter if your audience is participating? They paid their money, their asses are in the seats, so what the hell does it matter? Uh, I hate these modern conveniences. They make us all impatient. Where the fuck is my amen? <laughs> What the fuck is wrong with all of you? Are you checking your iPhones or something? Give me an amen. She didn't even wait for the internet hookup to get through. 
She demands an immediate amen from these people. Now, uh, she goes on to say um, what kind of power God gives us. This is, this is you, you got to listen to this, Leighton. This will tell you exactly the power that you can get by joining the Christian religion. Power over women, right? Power over Satan doesn't mean that we have this authority that can keep him at bay to where he can never attack us, never lie to us, never come against us. The power that we have is when he is attacking us, we don't have to act like him. Wow. Oh, kiss my ass, God. That's the power? <laughs> that's that's some, the power? That's some pretty strong power. Yeah, so Satan is kicking my ass, and the power God gave me, according to Joyce, is that I don't have to be like him? Yeah, that's the power you have. Um, God, could you at least give me a sword? Maybe bulk me up a little bit? I mean, what the hell? <laughs> Even though she's a bitter, shriveled-up old bitch, uh, everybody else doesn't have to be like Satan. What the yeah. hell is Satan like? Um, much like her from the description of some, her picture. <laughs> some crabby old sour-faced lady? <laughs> Don't get I, it. I'm sorry. I, I, I've only heard maybe a minute of this woman talking, and I already want to scratch out my eardrums. Well, I, I ordered you her four-pack CDs for Christmas, so... Oh, good. So you are paying so I know how to fight the devil. <laughs> That's what the devil doesn't want you to know. That would uh, well, be pretty valuable. Perhaps that's where she tells us where the real power is instead of curling up into the balls screaming, not in the face, not in the face. So now she <laughs> now she uh, uh, gives this little story about um, a traffic incident that she was involved in. Oh, good. Now before we leave, we're yelling and screaming at everybody. Then we get out in traffic, and traffic is not right, and... We're giving all kinds of hand signals to the other people in the cars. I had one of those yesterday right here in Atlanta. Woo, man. We made some kind of little mistake. I guess got in this guy's lane or got in front of him or something. And man, he came by and gave us the sign and it wasn't the one you'd like to have. And I've learned, hey, I've learned. He ain't getting my joy, no. I don't have no time to get mad and be bothered by it. I just said out loud, bless you. Bless you. Have a nice day. Bless you. Do you believe that for an instant? No. <laughs> <laughs> okay. This crabby woman couldn't even wait for an amen, and she's trying to convince me <laughs> that some guy comes driving by angry, honking, and flipping her off, and she says, bless you? Yeah, I, I can tell you what kind of blessing she was given. Well, you called right because her story isn't over. She she can't leave it at that, right? Um, here's the next. Here's part two of her traffic story. You know what? I've come to the point where I feel sorry for people that are that stupid. <laughs> that they have to get that upset because somebody actually dared to accidentally make a mistake. And get in their way just a little bit. So, <laughs> bless you, bless you, you stupid fuck. <laughs> he ain't fuck? getting, he ain't getting my joy. 
ain't getting my joy because I think you're so stupid for getting upset because I nearly drove you off the road that, that you would flip me off, you dumb shit. Thank God he didn't get her joy. Uh, I, I, I fear for what she means by her joy. Is it like... <laughs> Is no. that like her flower? I mean, really? No. <laughs> she she uh, again gets a little crabby that she's not getting the respect that How she deserves. She get more crabby than she already is. Exhibit A. People go out and buy things impulsively, and then they got all this pressure from debt, and now they're mad at everybody and mad at their boss because he don't pay them enough, and now it's his fault that you got financial pressure. Come on, I'm preaching good. Come on, Layden, she's preaching good. Yeah. You, you know what this, this reminds me of? My brother, his first wife, was just like this. She would chew your ear off bitching, and then she would say, well, can't you see what I, I mean? I, I am completely right. And the only way to get her to shut up would be to agree with her. Yeah. <laughs> I'm preaching good. Yes, you are, Joyce. <laughs> You're preaching real good. Now shut the hell up. You're preaching so good you don't have to continue. <laughs> you already have converted me. Please be quiet. <laughs> <laughs> Let me enjoy the silence because you ain't taking the joy from me. You ain't getting my joy. Uh, this next one, she, she continues on her tirade against uh, people who don't have any financial discipline. Uh, and she tells uh, this uh, very instructive story about uh, a lady with a shopping addiction and her husband. I tell a story about a woman whose husband said, honey, you've got to stop shopping. We've got to get out of debt. She, he made her promise. She promised that she would not go out and buy any more clothes. She went to the mall to pick up something that she had to, to have that she had ordered. And while she was there, she saw this pretty dress that was on sale. And so she went into the store just to try it on, just to see what it looked like. <laughs> so anyway, she went home with the dress, kind of hoping he wouldn't see her, but he saw her bring it in, and right away he blew up. I thought you promised me that you weren't going to buy any more clothes. She said, but honey, this dress was on sale, and I tried it on, and it just looked so good on me, I couldn't resist. And he said, well, you should have said, get thee behind me, Satan. And she said, I did. And he told me it looked better from behind than in the front. All right, I can agree with her in this one instance. The man really should have said, you bought that dress, we'll put it on, because now I have to decide whether we're keeping it or I'm sending you back to return it. That whole story was just a setup for a really bad joke. Oh, I know. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's worse than the jokes that go on around here. <laughs> uh, really, really, her whole uh, sermon was essentially this. It was crabbiness punctuated by really, really bad jokes. <laughs> well, please, for the love of God, tell me we're almost done. <laughs> almost. Um, here's uh, the next part of it where she gets crabby about people who want to come work for her. <laughs> oh, yes, because, uh, well, let's see. All those people who are out there that are in debt, it's all your fucking fault because you have no self-control. Oh, you want to work and actually, you know, pay off that debt? 
well, kiss my ass. Yeah, she's already talked about how it's not the boss's fault that you spend too much. So uh, here we go. I mean, people will move and come to work, come to St. Louis, come to work for us. You would just think they died and went to heaven. Oh, 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 I just can't believe I'm working for Joyce Meyer. They must think we're going to sit down and have a chat every day for about five hours. And then after being there a while, they find out they never see me because I'm not at my office that much. I'm everywhere else doing this. And then they find out we want them to work. (laughs) That we don't just float around on a cloud all day and sing the hallelujah chorus. (laughs) But we work and we expect excellence. Yeah, excellence like this sermon. Yes, yes. And I would like to point out that perhaps the reason why they're so happy is because you're never in the office. (laughs) Yeah, I want to spend five hours chatting with this lady. Uh, uh, if she provides the ice pick, then yes, I will discuss things with her. Well, this this next little clip takes a turn for um, happiness and joy and light. Uh, so let's listen to this one. This might cheer you up. What's just about what a nice person she is. Right. You know, some days, to be very honest with you, I'd just like for everybody to leave me alone. <laughs> but just because I feel that way doesn't mean that's what's going to happen. And there was a time in my life where if I felt like being left alone, I could be kind of snippy and nasty and unfriendly. And just by the look on my face, I could let you know, leave me alone. Well, thank God that time's over. (laughs) Uh, uh, Listen, lady. um... (laughs) (laughs) What do you mean there was a time in your life? (laughs) (laughs) Do do you have to look at your photograph again? That's all we need. And for the last bit of cheerfulness and light from our best friend, Joyce Myers, I think I'm going to join her fan club. I'm sure you will. Uh, she, she parts with this nice bit of honey and joy. Had I continued to hate my dad, I would have ended up mistreating my kids. I wouldn't have done to them what he did to me, but I would have been hard to get along with. I would have been selfish and self-centered and full of self-pity and bitter and resentful. And that would have come out of me toward all the people that were around me. What does she mean would have been? Not only that, but lady, that's just poor self-control. You can hate somebody and still be friendly to somebody else. I mean, what the hell? Not this lady. If you just hate one person, suddenly you hate everybody and you're taking it out on them? (laughs) This is the crabbiest preacher I've ever met in my life. I can't fathom why anybody (laughs) would want to work with her, let alone pay money to go listen to her for hours. Oh, God. Jesus has brought me so much joy. Fuck all of you people! My life sucks! Jesus has shown me the light, and I have joy, which I ain't given to nobody, and I just wish everybody would leave me alone. (laughs) You ain't taking my joy, you stupid fucking asshole! (laughs) (laughs) Who cares that I nearly just ran you into that pillar? It's my joy. Fuck you, stupid. (laughs) I love how she admits... She's a terrible driver. Totally cut him off. Uh, but yeah, no, it's his fault for flipping her off. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. people aren't entitled to mistakes. Perhaps the problem is, is your crabbiness has you swerving across all lanes. <laughs> yeah. Bless you. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> By yeah, that. Bless you. Yeah, I can imagine her <laughs> sitting up on the steering wheel, jumping up and down and screaming at this point. Oh, Lord. All right. Let's move into our second favorite pastor, Mark Driscoll, who we haven't actually listened to or contacted with, uh, you know, since the last episode on Luke. Remember that one? That beautiful 
sermon on Luke about uh, how the Greeks thought that their own religion was mythology. Yeah, I think there's a reason why we've run screaming from this idiot. Well, if and possible. And not because of his driving. If possible, he's making even less sense in this sermon. Uh, let's go ahead and play this one, and you tell me if you can translate this. I'll tell you why I'm excited to be here. This is a coherence concept. Uh, evangelicalism finds itself fighting a war on many fronts about pluralism and sexuality and various uh, kinds of error and compromise. And what we want to give for you in our time together is a coherence theory that you might be able to interpret all the issues through one grid. Okay, I, I understand what he's saying. He's basically saying that uh, he wants to teach people how to shut their minds off and only listen to the preachers and those within their religion. Thanks for translating that for me, because I, prior to listening to the sermon, I've actually been viewing those things uh, through three grids. So it's, <laughs> it's nice to be so able to pair you, two of those off. You should only have one grid, and <laughs> luckily we have him around to tell us which of those grids we should be listening to. <laughs> Those words are English, and they follow one another, but I don't think he's making any sense whatsoever. I think it's like Tourette's, where he just starts spitting out words and then tries to make a coherent sentence out of it. <laughs> so he's going to go on and tell you that God and Jesus are unceasing and outpouring, and they always have been. Well, that, that probably comes to the fact that they've been masturbating, and when you masturbate once, it turns into a hose, and it's, a, it's an endless loop, so... Here's what he is getting at in his book, Unceasing Worship, that our God is marked by unceasing outpouring. From eternity past, the Father, Son, and Spirit were unceasing in their outpouring of love and communication and adoration and affection one to the other. Well, what the fuck happened? They seem to have ceased. Wait, 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 wait. They are unceasing towards their love to one another? <laughs> this, this right here... <laughs> is the reason why gay marriage. I mean, God and Jesus, they're unceasing and pouring out towards one another. That brings some very bad images to my mind. <laughs> there is a fairly strong homosexual undercurrent throughout this entire uh, uh, sermon. <laughs> well, we'll get into that a little bit later, but uh, yeah, God's three and one, right? One and three. I'm assuming yeah. all those three are males, except for the dove. The dove might be female. Have you checked under the feathers? <laughs> so I don't know what the problem is. <laughs> yeah, how exactly do you get a trinity where they pour out their love towards themselves? That's pretty gay. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, they walk by a mirror and they think, damn, I'm six. <laughs> uh, this one's good. Uh, Mark apparently just, uh, I'm sorry, Pastor Driscoll apparently just doesn't read his Bible. He just makes shit up. There are distinctions. As soon as the lie comes and we fall from worshipers to idolaters, those distinctions are obliterated so that all are one. So today there is not a clear distinction between God and mankind, mankind and animals, particularly in radical environmentalism, mankind and the rest of creation, God and creation and pantheism, panentheism, avatarism and the like. So to get that, God's all about making distinctions, right? Uh, well, that's that's why we separate everything, I guess. You know, heaven forbid that, that all are one. That's that's this pagan, demonic idea. 
Uh, except for in Galatians 3.28, which says, There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. <laughs> Read your fucking New Testament, dipshit. Uh, please don't talk to the pastor in that manner. He knows far more than you will ever know about the scriptures. See, these people just want to make shit up, and they think it sounds great, but then you got to remind them of their own fucking Bible. But see, and that's the most amazing thing about religious people in general is they'll throw out these wild ideas and just make these random conclusions and then you start poking holes in it using their own bible and their own religious works and it pisses them off yeah right they should have thought about it because they should be more familiar with their own bible than you are but uh that's rarely the case <laughs> all right um let's move on to his next little bit there is no distinction between men and women, which results in homosexuality and bisexuality and lesbianism and accounts for why people like Lindsay Lohan can go from mouseketeers to flirting with bisexuality and no one seems to have any particular interest. And we can have Christian artists get on television, seemingly Christian artists get on television and talk about their desires for lesbianism in recent months, and no one seems to be all that interested because there is no distinction in the lie between men and women, and there's ultimately no distinction between Jesus and the other religions. Okay, once again, Galatians 3.28, there's neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female. If God wanted that distinction, he probably shouldn't have put that in his Bible. <laughs> Well, not only that, but what he's claiming just doesn't make a fucking lick of sense. I mean, <laughs> because of the this whole distinction shit, all of a sudden we have lesbianism, gays, and we have Lindsay Lohan fucking up her life the best way she can. Yeah, in the Christian... This is a Christian country singer. I can't remember her name, but she came out on TV and said that, you know, I've... Uh, I'm I'm gay. I'm a lesbian, and no one cared. And you know why no one cares, Mark? Because it doesn't fucking matter. Who yeah. cares? You either like her music or you don't. So what? Well, it's it's a an abomination to God, and right. they probably should have stoned her right there on the stage, and that would have made Mark happy. Well, you know, if God cares, then he can take care of it himself. Uh, he's sure, certainly powerful enough, right? Yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, I think his power has been waning in these later years. When was the last time we saw fire raining down from heaven? All right, that's what I was talking about before, right? He's unceasing outpouring, um, except for the last, you know, 2,000 years. <laughs> Seems to yeah. have ceased. He's not yeah, once, no longer pouring out. Once people started paying attention and things were actually being written down more and more, all of a sudden God started hiding Zoop. more. He's out of there. Uh, this next one, he is convinced uh, that uh, most people are pagans, even evangelicals. So uh, here we go. The truth is that the average evangelical is a thoroughgoing pagan. I'll prove it to you. He's going to prove it to us, Leighton. Well, I, I certainly hope so, because right now I'm sitting there thinking, what is his definition of pagan? Uh, we'll get to it. I listened to the whole thing, and the only part, he goes about, you know, here's some statistics about Christians in general, youth in America... Catholics, and he finally gets to his uh, evangelicals, right? And so th this next clip explains why, how he knows the average evangelical is a thoroughgoing pagan. How about evangelicals, younger evangelicals? There was a national survey of youth and religion, 
16% say they are evangelical. Of those who say they are evangelical, only 74% believe that Christianity is the only true religion. Is it 26% of people who would say, I'm a born-again, Bible-believing, Jesus-loving, evangelical, but I don't think everybody needs him? 26%. Well, there you have it. I don't so, think Mark Driscoll knows what the term average and thoroughgoing means. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, he translates 26% of evangelicals saying, ah, you know, you might be able to get the truth using some other religion. Who knows? I don't know. Uh, so a fourth of these people say, eh, maybe there's some truth in other religions. And that translates into the average evangelical is a thoroughgoing pagan. Well, see, and, and once again, this comes down to conclusions made without any support. <laughs> and yet, they spout it with such confidence, and the saddest thing is, is their audience opens their mouth and eats it whole. Right, right. Wow, you're right, Mark. Uh, 26% equals the average. Every, uh, man, your typical... Your typical evangelical, thoroughgoing pig. Why didn't somebody throw a calculator at him? <laughs> I mean, seriously, just anybody from the audience, even your calculator watch, just flip it up there at him. You know, now he goes into the meat of the podcast, which is that we are all pagans, essentially, in certain things, and uh, we worship different things in our culture. It's not religion anymore, typically. It's uh, crazy things, like in Seattle... Um, he was embarrassed because he didn't have a bag because they recycle in Seattle. So here's this. I was at the grocery store the other day, and in Seattle, if you don't bring a bag to the grocery store, they fine you. It's church discipline, okay? Because they're very religious about recycling. Justification by recycling is the official position of Seattle. So if you don't bring a bag to the grocery store, they publicly shame you. Oh, you did not bring a bag? No, I did not bring a bag. I did not know. I didn't need to bring a bag. Well, then we must charge you for a bag, but next time you should bring a bag. Okay, next time I will bring a bag. I did not know that there were certain sacred rituals for the worship of the environment, and I did not. So I will repent, and I will bring a bag. Am I the only one that wants to hit him with a bag? Now, I stopped it there, uh, but it goes on for two more minutes. He apparently... This this interchange where they said, hey, you know, you might want to bring a bag because we try to recycle here, uh, so thoroughly humiliated him that he invests like nearly four minutes of his sermon on this bag. And, and I'm still trying to figure out how that equates to a religion where we are all bowing down and worshiping the environment because Seattle is actually doing something proper, standing up, saying, you know what, these plastic bags... These paper bags are destroying our environment. So you know what? We will stand at the forefront and maybe try to lessen our carbon footprint. And he calls that a religion? Well, yeah, because they're uh, spending time uh, getting bags instead of giving money to him, essentially. Yeah, essentially because they had the foresight to force everybody or at least charge people for bags until it, it got into their thick skulls for these bags because it didn't come from the bible they are worshiping bags in the environment now <laughs> now you might think he has a problem with bags but no he saves his um most seething commentary 
for a different target. Then you get people like Oprah who use the medium of television to actually launch a new religion. USA Today asked that question a while back. Has Oprah started her own religion? She has. She has. It doesn't matter what your religion, what your spirituality, what your sexual orientation is. Her gospel is one of self-empowerment, self-improvement. And she starts with her story. And then she teaches others how to live out their story, not to God's glory, but to their glory. Not that Jesus is their Savior, but you save yourself by being spiritual and moral and disciplined. My God, what a horrible message. Yes, I I can't believe Oprah would stand up there and say, you know what, you take the reins of your life. You step forward and you prove that you are worth something. That, That is horrible. That really is what Oprah says, right? I've never actually watched her. <laughs> I mean, I guess. I don't, I don't watch her either. But uh, out of his own mouth, he's like, wow, she's, she's teaching this doctrine of empowerment where Christianity teaches the exact opposite. You're yeah. worthless. You uh, have no power. You have to um, subsume yourself in Christ because Christ has all the power. You can't help. It's the same as these Alcoholics Anonymous, right? You, you recognize the problem, but you can't do anything. You're powerless to stop it. So put your faith in God. And then, of course, you go and you, you stop it yourself. That, that is something that has always pissed me off about religion. The fact that they are constantly saying, I mean, I got this growing up in church all the time. You cannot do it alone. God must be in your life because you cannot face life on your own. And that always pissed me off, and it made me want to go out there and say, okay, God, please stay out of my life because I think I can handle it on my own. Well, yeah, they, they always disparage the current world in favor of the world to come and uh, our power as human beings because, you know, if you're powerful and you can change the stuff yourself, then that removes all their authority. They yeah, can't it, help you do anything. It Christ also removes can. a need for God because right. if you can stand on your own two feet, what the hell do you need God standing there uh, bolstering you up, putting your arm over his shoulder and carrying you? It doesn't make any sense. And that brings up that stupid poem about the footprints in the sand. Oh, those times when uh, there's only one set, that was when I carried you. Kiss my ass, stand on your own two feet. Uh, Jesus, did you notice the footprints before and after were the same? You dick. Nice try. <laughs> yeah, thanks for uh, your attempts, but uh, yeah, it doesn't, doesn't fly. I mean, can't he float? There should be no footprints at all if he's carrying you. Yeah, well, he he can obviously walk on water, but he can't walk <laughs> yeah. on sand. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, uh, Mar- Mark Driscoll's a busy man. Clearly, he, he doesn't have any more animosity towards Oprah, right? Well, he already got it out. I mean, after all, empowering yourself to shame. And there are women who, even if you tell so many evangelical housewives, look, she's a pagan high priestess. They're like, no, she's really nice, and she gave money away. That's what pagan high priestesses do. (laughs) It's a deception. It's a trick. Oh, but she believes in God. So did demons. So did demons. So did demons. It's in the book. Demons believe that. Gosh. <laughs> so so he's teaching a new method to test as to whether or not there's a pagan priestess. If a pagan priestess gives away money, 
then it obviously <laughs> isn't of God. So the only people who are of God are the ones up there accepting tithes, donations, right. and purchasing of the books. Very, very important uh, to give money to Mark Driscoll instead of whoever Oprah gave money to. Yeah, yeah, but Pagan careful. high priestess, I love it. If you it. see Mark Driscoll giving away money, that means he is a high priest. Right. So, thank God, we'll, we'll move away from Oprah for this next clip. She just puts out a magazine, and who's on the cover every single month? Every single month! It's Oprah! Every month! Did I say that? Every month! Oh, I wonder who's on the cover of O. Oh. oh! Oh, it's Oprah! Again! Was last month, will be next month. What? I don't know what this deal is. He's obsessed with Oprah. Hey, Mark. <laughs> It's her magazine. She could put whoever she wants on the cover. <laughs> if you have a magazine, you can put yourself on the cover. You can put Jesus on the cover. Oh Every month you can put Jesus on the cover. It doesn't matter. It's your away magazine. from Oprah. What the hell, dude? Leave Oprah alone. <laughs> surely, surely now he's got it all out of his system and uh, no more Oprah talk, right? If he talks about Oprah one more time, I'm going to hunt him down and shove that what what was the name of that magazine? Vogue. Oh, oh, the name of the magazine is O. Yeah, it's Oprah's magazine. Oh well, in that case, I'll shove that up his ass too, along with Vogue. <laughs> Stop talking about Oprah. I mean, it's just bizarre. So then, nine eleven happens, and everybody gets together in a stadium, the sacred secular place, and Oprah brings everybody together for a national church service to know God. Bizarre. What bizarre? Wait, 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 wait. So Oprah puts together a big prayer thing for the entire nation, and she is smart enough to understand that everybody worships God in their own way, but because she doesn't stand up there and say, okay, uh, by the way, this is going to be a Catholic prayer, she's a demon and she's wrong and she's against God? Yeah, I don't, I don't know what happened. I wasn't paying attention clearly to Oprah uh, after 9-11, uh, so uh, I don't know. Italy, I, I have no idea what happened after 9-11. She, so. she, she probably did some sort of benefit, you know, to help the victims, or I don't know, you know. And So what? He's just mad that she, she didn't mention God's name? Hey, what a dick. Yeah, yeah, what a, you know, this is just proving more and more that this guy's a bigger dick than anybody else out there. Oprah's out there. She's raising benefit, probably raising money at this, helping people out, and yet he's pissed off because she didn't stand up there and say, oh, by the way, this is the God we're worshiping right here and now. Yeah, again, if you don't raise money for Mark Driscoll, you're a pagan high priestess. <laughs> All right, let, let's move on to a different subject. I was arguing with one housewife recently, a mom, nice lady. She's like, well, she has a whole segment of her show called Spirit. I know, it's a demon. I know. <laughs> Test the spirits. Not every spirit works for God. What? I'm, I'm starting to think this whole sermon's about Oprah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought we'd move beyond Oprah. Well, Bad why Oprah. can't you just give it up? You've already said that she's a demon. She's, a, she's an evil pagan priestess. She probably dances in the nude underneath the moonlight and casts <laughs> spells. We get it. Please, for the love of Christ, and I do mean your Christ, just so there's no mistaking it during this prayer circle, for the love of Christ, move on. 
And he finally does. He goes over some other uh, secular places of worship, and um, he he lights upon the mall. The mall is, is a horrible place of pagan worship, as demonstrated in this next soundbite. Walk down a little further, there's a bunch of massage chairs. You want a massage? Oh, yeah, I could totally relax in the mall. In the mall, I just put my... I'm gonna, yeah, I'm going to take a nap in the mall with some strange guy rubbing my back. He's put a lot of thought into this. All right, let, let me point something out to you. It's not only guys who do those massages, it's also women. And obviously you have never had a girlfriend, because if a girlfriend has ever taken you shopping, by the time you've wandered around endlessly looking at everything, a good massage helps. By a man. By a man. And when I say massage, I mean... <laughs> You're finishing my sentences. You stop there. <laughs> uh, now he he saves. He, he's winding down now. He saves some of his uh, animus uh, towards society, secular society, and, and what he calls pagan society. Uh, just much like Joyce, you know, she didn't like convenience. Uh, this guy doesn't like how big our cokes are. <laughs> yeah. well, I mean, once again. You don't like our convenience. Does that mean if we were all living back in the uh, the 1600s with hardships, disease, all of that, that we w we would believe more in God? Therefore, convenience is bad. Oh, he'd be complaining about how easy it is to obtain clothing, right? It used to be that you had to wear a goat on yourself. Now you can just sew up some shit. <laughs> it's too convenient. It's too convenient. This new all I've got is just way too easy for punching <laughs> holes in the leather. All right. Uh, here's the next clip. You go to other countries, you say, I'd like a Coke. They bring you a 12-ounce can of Coke. Here, they bring you a bucket, a straw, and a scooter because you can't walk to your car because you're now a diabetic. What? Why can't diabetics walk to their car? I don't know. <laughs> In fact, I was just hanging out with a diabetic earlier today, and he moved just fine. I can't believe. Apparently, the first thing that happens when you're diagnosed with diabetes, when you drink a Coke, you get diabetes and your legs fall off. Well, that may be the reason why I despise the taste of Coke. I can taste <laughs> the diabetes rolling down my throat. You can feel your legs detaching from you as you sit there. <laughs> God damn you, Coke! This next one, uh, this is his last one, thank God, yes. uh, is all about, he, he's a little frustrated with people and their belief in, in false gods. And even the Christians believe in these idols of God, and they've turned Christ into a, an idol. So. You know, I'm noticing a pattern here. All these Christians are out there, and they're looking at all these other Christians going, well, you're just worshiping an idol. Although it's got Jesus' face... You're worshiping somebody else other than Jesus. Right. As long as you're not uh, worshiping my particular version of Jesus, you're worshiping uh, an idol, clearly. Yeah. yeah. So here he goes. And Christianity has even exchanged the truth of God for the lie. And many are worshiping and serving created things rather than the creator God. And then they get disappointed and angry and frustrated with the real God. Jesus, this isn't working. I'm poor. I'm single. 
I'm married, but I wish I was single. We have children, but they're not good children. We can't have children. Jesus, I lost my job. Jesus, I got cancer. Jesus, this isn't working. This isn't working, Jesus. I came to you to get some idols. I have disappointment, frustration, anger, bewilderment. You know why they're disappointed, angry, frustrated, and bewildered? It's because God doesn't exist. (laughs) Not only that, but if God did exist, he listed off quite a few things that you have every right to be pissed off at God for. Why did God give me cancer? Why did God make my wife barren? I mean... (laughs) God's like this absentee father, right? You know, he's there, but he has no affection toward the kid. You know, you go up there and you're like, hey, Dad, can I have 20 bucks? Uh, My friends and I want to go to the movies. And he's just silent. Yeah. Come on, Dad. Stop ignoring me. I know you're there. Dad, oh, wait. I understand your wisdom in not answering me. Oh, you want me to earn the money myself? Wow, that's wise, Father. That is so wise wise. of you to sit there and not exist. (laughs) (laughs) Of course it's frustrating. They're praying to someone who doesn't exist. Or if he does, he doesn't give two shits about him because he never answers their prayers. Yeah, yeah. Either way. Oh, God, thank you so much for giving my child cancer. And thank you for making it so I'm not upset at you for being an asshole and just sitting there. <laughs> All right. Um, God, uh, I, I never want to do this again. These are horrible. These are, it, it should be unconstitutional. It should be considered cruel and unusual punishment. And I'd like to point out that these two were in the top ten of iTunes religious podcasts. These are uh, the best Christianity has to offer. These sermons. Uh, it, it's, it's painful to think that this is what Christians turn to and listen voluntarily. Not only that, they pay for this. I mean, you've got this shriveled up, crabby old, bitter grandma talking about how she cut someone else off in traffic and and he got mad. He had the audacity to get mad at Joyce fucking Myers. And you have this uh, unbelievably... It's stunning to me that this guy is functional. With this little intellectual... Wherewithal? <laughs> I mean, he's, seriously, he's got probably three functional neurons, none of which are connected to each other. I can't believe he can even move his legs and walk in a coordinated fashion, much less talk. Yeah, there's your choices. The functioning idiot or the crabby old grandma who wants everybody to leave her alone. <laughs> well, I'll be glad to. I will leave you alone from here on out, Joyce. Yes, yes, sir. Uh... However, I may be different because, you know, when women reach a certain age, they don't swell, they don't tell, and they're grateful as hell. Well, good luck with that, Leighton. So we're going to do – you've got some podcasts that you've already listened to. Yeah. um, But we're going to put that off for a week. What we're going to do next week, there's been a lot of movement on the Proposition 8 front. Judge Walker's given his decision reversing the um, California Supreme Court and uh, undercutting Proposition 8, finding it unconstitutional. Yeah, about um, goddamn time. I've, I've read the 138-page the decision on that. I think it's very good. It's, it's designed to survive the inevitable appeal process. 
So we want to go over Proposition 8, the legality of it, what's happened to date, the Mormon involvement especially, and uh, where we go from here. And that'll be next week. Yeah, yeah. and uh, trust me, just some of the things I found out about today are both stunning and fascinating. Yeah, so it'll be a good podcast next week. We'll see you then. Oh, my God.